Thank God it's Free Range. You are listening to Free Range Radio Friday with your host, Michael Elves. Pour yourself a beverage and turn up the volume because here on 101.5 UMFM, the weekend starts now.
101.5 UMFM, this is Thank God It's Free Range, the Friday edition of Free Range Radio. I'm Michael Loveson, kicking things off for us tonight. New signing to Dan Auerbach's Easy Eye Sound label, that's New Orleans musician Britty, with nothing compares to you, not the Sinead O'Connor track, uh, an original. That is from a forthcoming record that'll be out in 2024, but boy, do I dig the sound of that first single and the promise of what it represents. Speaking of things I dig, uh, we got Claire Siobhan from the East Coast, now calls Montreal her home. Uh, 3-2, Loves Me, is a beautiful track that uh, I first heard on Bandcamp, and thankfully uh, her label, her publicist, sent me the album and uh, we're going to share that with you. Before we get into my interview with Caroline Brooks from Good Lovelies, who are playing the Park Theater on October 18th, and then coming up a little later in the show, Ed from Apollo Suns joins us to talk about that band's new album, Departures, and their two-night stint at the Goodwill next week. Keep it locked here on 101.5 UMFM. <laughs>
All right, well, coming to the Park Theatre Wednesday, October 18th, touring the new album, We Will Never Be the Same, The Good Lovelies. And from the group, Caroline Brooks joins me on the show. Welcome. Hi, Michael. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. So the record just came out, and you're, of course, you know, now on the road supporting it. Uh, very early times for the record, but have you had some feedback so far from fans and listeners? Yeah, it's been... Um... It's been really, really special for us. Uh, we've put out um, 12 releases in our 17 years as a band, um, but the last full-length record we put out was a Christmas record. And um, so it's been a long time coming for a full uh, original release. And it's just been, you know, it's it takes such a long time to like write record and then make the record. And so, uh, you know, we're so familiar with the songs and we're ready to put them out, but now it's out and people are people are really digging it and i mean that's not ultimately the goal of making i mean it is you want people to like your music but we love it so much and the whole process of making it was a very beautiful experience so yeah it's nice just to share the songs and have them out in the world now <laughs> you you at the very least have to be happy with it before you put it out into the world it sounds like yeah yeah i was actually just listening to this um book uh about creativity and one of the things that he says in the book is um you know you you can't be concerned with what your audience wants like you have to create art that makes you happy and that really resonates with me deeply so i'm, I'm really you know at, at its very core it's a record i want to put on in my home uh, that I made with my best friends, you know, it's, it's pretty special. And I think it really reflects where we all are in our lives right now. We're in our early to mid forties. You know, we have a lot of people who depend upon us. We are like moms and aunties and all that stuff. So it feels like really meaty stuff, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I want to talk about that meat, but I, before that you're listening to a book about creativity. Like, are you the type of person who as an artist looks at other people's processes? Yeah, I mean, as I get older, definitely, I, I feel like um, I have I live uh, a, a creative life, but it's within the confines of like being a mom and, and being really busy. And, you know, I used to in my 20s, like just wait till inspiration would hit. And now I just I can't rely on that because time is short. Um, the times in which I can be creative is short. So I really have to work for it in a different way. Um, I think I'm writing better music than I did in my 20s. I really love that music, but it feels like I'm growing as an artist. And I know Carrie and Sue feel the same way. So yeah, I like to know, I like to get some tips. And um, yeah, I'm listening to the Rick Rubin book, The Creative Act. And uh, the chapter I'm in right now, he's talking about like things you can do to spark creativity or a different kind of performance. And it's really interesting. I like it. You say you're writing better now. What is it about the writing that you identify as better? Yeah, I mean, other people might not feel the same way about my songs, but or our songs, because Good Lovely shares co-writing credits on everything. Um, it's a really special part of what we do. But I just feel like I'm a lot more honest in terms of like not overthinking the songs as I'm writing them, like trying to like channel and be open and not not shut down ideas. Uh, before they're allowed to come. So I do some songwriting workshops with kids and it's like, just don't, I try not to get in my own way, if that makes sense. And I just like really like the idea of, of, of channeling, of being open. And I've found in the last few years, I've been able to 
reach a little deeper into um, finding, finding, uh, letting the songs find their way rather than forcing them, if that makes sense. Um, it's interesting yeah. you talked about, you know, writing with kids, like kids generally don't second guess themselves. And maybe I think as adults, that's something we do or we've learned, yeah. learned to do. Is is that part of it is like tapping into just like, okay, like whatever comes out initially is, is an honest thing. And I need to kind of embrace that. Yeah. And that's not to say like editing doesn't happen, but yeah, certainly just like, I, I'm really glad you said that thing about kids because I spend a lot of my life with little people and like their honesty is uh, sometimes very humbling. <laughs> um, uh, but also it's it's like really inspiring to see how they exist in the moment. And I'm trying to bring that into a lot of parts of my life. Like even going on the road with Carrie and Sue, like we have been at home a bunch for the last few years, just, just really trying to stay present in it and not to second guess things and not to be overly concerned with like, you know, this job is very like forward facing. So, you, you know, you, you have this introspective process and you write these songs and you're, you're in your, in yourself. And then all of a sudden you're presenting them to the world. It's a really vulnerable thing. And if you allow yourself to like overthink it, it can be really hard. So uh, I guess what I'm saying is just like trying to be present for it, trying to be open and, and, um, and yeah, just like having a bit of childlike, a wild, like being a little wild, if that makes sense, not overly uh, confining yourself. In a right. Way. So it's like taking some artistic liberties or like making some experiments and seeing how they work out versus kind of like locked into a, a specific mindset. Yeah. And like thinking about, you know, not being stuck on form, right? Like, I mean, there are songs that are really successful because they follow the form that we as humans have come to love and pop, you know, a pop form that ends up on radio or whatever but like a few of these songs on the record they meander differently and they we're like following them in a way that maybe we wouldn't have a little while ago or we would have tightened it up or whatever but it just felt right or like delving into subject matter that's really hard like sue wrote a song called insomnia on the record and it's like really heavy and she didn't um censor herself and i think like i think that's what i mean when we or I or like us as collectively as good lovelies are coming into a different time in our writing life. And it's um, it's really uh, it's exciting. It's exciting because it's like mature or like emotionally more honest than maybe you would have been in your 20s. Yeah, maybe. I mean, maybe that's a depth of feeling thing, you know, like uh, a maturity, maybe maybe just not being afraid to say the things that we're really feeling yeah right you had mentioned you know like the waiting till inspiration struck versus you know having a lot of responsibilities now and and not having necessarily the time for inspiration to strike has changing kind of like how you approach songwriting and making it more of a task than you know an ephemeral thing do, do you think that the songs you're writing bear out the the structure of the creative process or do you, do you still feel like they capture some of that kind of like creative spark right yeah that's a great question um it's certainly harder uh, you know thinking about inspiration because inspiration strikes whenever right like i have um in the past it had a tendency to be like if i had an idea i'd try to qu quickly scribble it down and then continue on with my day as I had planned it. Um, 
now I'm trying to say, okay, well, if I have this idea, I really need to see it through in the moment because there is well, what I think I, I think I know what you're getting at is there's this like, there's something magical about songs that strike you and are in the moment. Um, there's a song on this record that I, I pretty much wrote in one go. And that song's really special to me because it is very specific um, and came out of a, a moment of inspiration. Um, but I do think the exercise of doing writing, having a practice, whether it's like journaling or practicing or doing vocal warmups, all those things, or like going for a walk with no headphones and just looking at the sky and tracking your eyes around, you know, those are like, for me, creative practices that I try to have in my daily life. And, um, and I do think that they contribute to songwriting as a whole. So the walk with no headphones, is that kind of like a mindfulness practice to kind of like not be distracted by whatever's in your ear? Yeah, I used to be a big runner and I actually ran with, never ran with headphones. Um, and now I've become more of a walker <laughs> and sure. I have been relying on like audiobooks or music to fill, f make me feel uh, less uh, bored or lonely or whatever on a walk. But lately I've been trying to actually just go out without my phone and no distractions and just be kind of bored and walk. And I, I really think like that's boredom and that boredom or lack of constant uh, stimulation is something that I'm missing. And I know a lot of people are missing in this life that we lead. Is that something you think about as a parent? Because I know that, you know, when my kids say they're bored and I'm like, you have like the entirety of what would have been a movie store at your disposal. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, do you realize like I had to go and like hope that what I wanted was in to yeah. the store and fill my time otherwise that like we, we as a society like can't deal with boredom now? Yeah, Michael, I'm so glad you said that because I'm like, I catch myself. I'm like, only bored, boring people are bored. Like mm, I say yes, things. Yes, I've heard that. <laughs> I think it came out of my mouth. But yeah, we actually, uh, my partner and I try to practice boredom it, in the in the way where we're like, no screens and we are not programming you. So you guys can figure out what you want to do right now. And often I'll find my kids like reading books or uh, you know, drawing or something, they'll just come to their own senses. Um, but I know that doesn't always work with kids. Like it's a pretty hard thing, but yeah, I, I do think about the boredom piece because I, I do think a lot of our creative output as humans over, you know, millennia has come from boredom has been, uh, you know, letting your mind wander. Like how often do people let their minds wander? Um, and I know some people practice that and I'm trying to build it into my life, but it's hard because sometimes you have to face some things, some thoughts you don't want to face, but it's uh, yeah, it's part of our, it's part of what I, I'm trying to cultivate with my kids is just be like, you know what? You can't always be entertained. Mm -hmm. Do you, I sound like my mom. <laughs> no, I know. I get it. Like the, the, the longer you spend as a parent, the more you kind of realize like, oh man, I'm, I'm an echo of a, a person who was a generation ahead of me here. Exactly. <laughs> the you, You'd mentioned, you know, that the Christmas album was the last album. Did the three of you, you know, purposely like talk about like what this record was going to be when you were like, okay, we're going to go back to our, our own material and not, you know, traditional songs? Well, we have, like I said, we have 12 releases, whether they're EPs or uh, albums. So five of those are full length original records. And um, so it's not 
necessarily not part of our life plan, you know, as a band to continue to release original music. The Christmas thing is funny because it like was how our band started almost as a joke, like on a whim, we did this show and we were all these uh, three singer songwriters singing our like sad bastard songs from our early twenties, like life was so hard. (laughs) And, um, and then we collaborated on some Christmas songs. So like, after our first record, we were like, let's make a Christmas album and pay homage to that time. And we did it and it it really took off. Like we have this life as Good Lovelies throughout the year. We play original music, we tour across the world, and then we always do a Christmas tour every year. So that's like a really big part of our identity. And a lot of people come to our shows um, and to our music through the Christmas thing. So when we were talking about putting a new record together, we had been approached we already had some songs in the bank like we'd been working on a few things Mm -hmm. um and we went two years ago exactly right now we went to uh, the laurentians in quebec and we wrote a bunch of songs together at um stuart mclean's cottage so we were really lucky to tour at the vinyl cafe which is a canadian institution and um he took us on tour and uh Uh, bless his soul he has this cottage and his girlfriend offered it to us and we wrote at his table and we had this amazing week together and a lot of the sounds uh, the songs were coming together and um, our friends uh, Josh Van Tassel and uh, Christine Bougie both amazing artists and producers Uh, Christine tours a lot with Bahamas she's this amazing guitar player she's played on every Good Lovelies record too and um, Josh has been a longtime friend, a percussionist and a producer. He, he does amazing work. Um, they approached us to co-produce the record. And uh, we actually recorded a bunch of it in cottages <laughs> uh, on the East Coast of Canada. And this sound that we had talked about, like we talked a lot about layering a lot of acoustic guitars and sort of this like flowy, flowy sound uh, and um Uh, maybe not straight ahead drums, but having like a lot of percussion elements and um, started to come together. And uh, that's how that album, that's basically the the genesis of how the record came to, came to be with some polishing at the end in Toronto at Union Sound. Um, So yeah, it's a, and we mostly, the songs are mostly just the three of us, Christine and and Josh and uh, on bass Kyle Kunjak from the East Coast as well. So um, it's a fairly, you know, some of our other records feature like a lot of side players. And this one is pretty much just that core group of people. Was that, you know, intentional or just kind of came about that way because you're recording in these cottages and it's just the people around you at that point? Yeah, we, we had intention in wanting to track a bunch of it off the floor together. So a lot of the beds, a lot of the keys and acoustic guitars and even Christine's electric playing, that was done together in a room. So it was really cool because one of the things I love about working with Josh is that he, um, you know, for those of you who record, like often you'll have a click track and that click track will be this kind of like beep, boop, boop, boop. It was like a really annoying beeping sound. And uh, what he would do is actually create his own, like he would loop a few bars of him playing a, like a drum pattern and it it made for for me as an artist sitting in a room with people with headphones but also still hearing everyone in the room it just made for this like really organic sounding um 
uh, bed for the record. And I think you can hear that in a lot of the tracks. Like you can hear some room noises and, and uh, it's, yeah, it's, I'm really, really pleased with the, the sounds. Well, let's give a, people a taste of those sounds. I'm going to get you to pick a track off of the record that we can play for listeners. And if you have a reason why oh. you're picking that or an anecdote about it, we'd love to hear that. Okay. Um, oh, if the world is my oyster. Um, well, I'll pick the first track off the record. This is called Young at Heart. And this is a song speaking of parenthood about, you know, trying to um, ke keep yourself wild uh, when the constraints of life um, sort of force you into these little boxes. Um, and I, I wrote it thinking of my grandmother, who's this real wild character. I love her so much. She's uh, she's uh, 93 and has so much spirit. And um, I, th I thought about my kids too and how, you know, sometimes it's just really hard when they ask you, like, I don't know if you get this, Michael, like, will you play with me? Do you want to play with me? And I'm like, mm. I really don't right now. <laughs> like, if I'm honest, I'd rather go watch Netflix and let you guys just, I'm like done. But also if I can find my way towards play, I always love it. I always find a way to it. So it's like partly that like remaining young in your spirit and trying to find the wild. And uh, you'll hear a lot of the layered guitars that I was talking about in this song. All right, well, we'll give that one a listen. Next Wednesday at the Park Theatre, The Good Lovelies with Isla Barker opening. Uh, Caroline, thanks very much for taking some time and uh, safe travels on the road. Thank you so much, Michael. It was great talking to you.
Back here on Thank God It's Free Range, the Friday edition of Free Range Radio. Right before the break, Good Lovelies with Young at Heart, Caroline Brooks' selection from We Will Never Be the Same. They're at the Park Theater on the 18th. Uh, then at the Goodwill on the 19th and 20th, Apollo Sons. And coming up after this next track, my interview with Ed DeRoche from the band, uh, talking about the new album Departures. Uh, before we get to that, though, a surprise EP from Boy Golden, uh, who's for Jimmy EP, is already currently like in our, what, top five. Uh, he has a new one called Mountain Road, which I suspect is a tribute to uh, a stretch of highway between Nipawa and Erickson. Uh, I was driving that up to Clear Lake for the Thanksgiving weekend. Uh, the track is called Out on the Weekend. It is, of course, the weekend. Hope you all enjoy it. Uh, stick around here on 101.5 UMFM.
stand by. It's a good time. It's a long life, and I'm living again. All right. Well, two nights. That's how many days it takes to play Departures, the new Apollo Suns record. <laughs> Ed DeRoche back on the show and uh, here to talk about the Thursday and Friday release party at the Goodwill Social Club and about the new record. Welcome back to the show, Ed. Hey, yeah, thanks for having us. It's always good to talk with you and uh, UMFM. You guys have been very supportive and we're very appreciative of all that our pleasure and uh, particularly mine i'm a big fan of the band as you know for going way back uh excited oh God, to yeah. talk about the new record uh, so i i was reading an interview or like a little thing you did with grateful web uh about kind of the inspiration for this new record and talking about soundtracks oh uh, yeah cowboy bebop legend of zelda acura like like was this kind of like stuff you were watching during the pandemic and it started to kind of infiltrate your brain or was this stuff that you were kind of already thinking about, you know, where, where you were going to take the band? Oh, um, I mean like soundtracks in general, like whether it be like video game or TV or film scores have always been, um, a big part of uh, music that I love. And I think a couple others in the band as well. Like, I think it kind of comes from the uh, love of uh, psychedelic and progressive rock and like the sci-fi kind of like realms that I, I draw a lot of inspiration with and, and with the band as well. So, cause I mean, being instrumental, I always think like we're, we're kind of setting up scenes or we're setting up acts. Mm. And to me, that's more of like a soundtracky kind of vibe, but I like, I don't know if the songs themselves sound like a soundtrack, but that's generally been a lot of, um, uh, especially anime. Anime soundtracks have such good, like, funk and brass and really interesting arrangements and stuff. So, like, uh, Cowboy Bebop, we get a lot of references. Like, the theme song Tank is generally like people are like, oh, this sounds like a Cowboy Bebop. So, but um, yeah, it's. Uh, I don't know. I, I I feel like the soundtracks just resonate like, like film scores, especially in like a visual sense. Um, and uh, I mean, emotionally they impact me a lot. Like, you know, some of my favorite um, music has, has come from that and like, or memories of, you know, playing uh, Zelda or final fantasy seven. And a lot of that was my first um, love of like, learning melodies and humming them and like even as a kid when i was like 12 or 13 and gaming a lot i would like these melodies would stick in my brain a lot um but um there was definitely some uh notable references like in the in the song horses we are watching the mandalorian a lot and like ludwig um gustavson i think is the composer's uh, name Gorenson? Yeah, uh, yeah, was like very much a big a part of that, and like you know, Anatole who arranged a lot of um, the the horns and and um, kind of like the instrumentation off the original demo um, I made. Uh, they put in a lot of work, but that was a huge like we're like well we're kind of going for like a westerny, but we were we loved the Mandalorian soundtrack. Like it's so good. So, yeah, um, I, I think it was very conscious, but also, like, 
it's it's just kind of it's just kind of in the DNA of Apollo Suns, you know, like you know the soundtracky kind of way. Because I want, um, I don't know, I I don't really think of songs. I think of like like more of like pieces of 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 a scene or like you know like what are people going to be doing when they're listening to this and uh, kind of like writing for that as well, you know? So does imagery come first? Like, do you see a scene and then try to kind of create the sound that goes with that scene? Um, so, sometimes like uh, for midnight in winter uh, that was written like the original, like I, I wrote some of the, the main melodies and like a little bit of the uh, concepts on um uh, on the original demo, uh, I wrote that at like, I think it was like three or four in the morning. I couldn't sleep. Uh, and uh, it was right in the f- second lockdown or the first lockdown or something. And it was like February. It was like frigid. And uh, I had uh, an east facing window in West Broadway. And the sun was like slowly coming up, but it was like still dark. But uh, I, I wrote a lot of that. And um, I just wanted... I remember looking out the window and then going for like an early morning coffee on my uh, porch. And it was like, just like dawn was just breaking, but um, it was kind of like, I, I just thought about, yeah, just how still and brittle and cold uh, the city was at that point. And, and uh, kind of having the song kind of um, communicate that and uh, kind of set that scene of like, because I feel like w- when we were recording it, um, there is a little bit of like warble in, in the guitar lines and a little bit of like brittleness. And then with the strings coming in and like the big, uh, the bigness of like winter on the prairies. Cause it's a, it's, it's a heavy season. It's cold. You have to wear so much <laughs> clothing just to not die. Uh, you know, like all of the food is heavier in the winter, you know? So, um, yeah, it was it was definitely like the scene was kind of set before writing that or we had an idea, but s- sometimes the 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 scene comes after, you know, so to speak, like like with Crybaby, someone was like, oh, this sounds like a 1970s chase theme from like a cop show. And we're like, yeah, absolutely. Like the da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da, you know, like, like, like that kind of really fast guitar figure. So, yeah, I don't know. Um, I feel like naturally because we're instrumental as well, people will attribute like, oh, I could see this being a train heist or I could see this or that or the other thing. And um, which is cool, you know, like uh, people are allowed to, we don't have lyrics to tell people how to feel or how to interpret a song. Everyone can interpret these uh, pieces of music as however they see fit, uh, which is really interesting to hear how they make people feel as well. Do you think that allows for some more interpretation and more connection as a result? Like people can kind of read into it what they want and, and come to the music with their own kind of conceptions that that, that helps yeah. things? I would imagine that does because like, I don't know, like like you hear a, a song with lyrics and it's like, oh, this is clearly a love song or this is clearly that. Or sometimes it's like... um. Or it's like a breakup song or or whatever. It's like a happy-go-lucky song. Um, I I guess to me, like my like my favorite lyricists are kind of like the ones that 
say many different things and have different interpretations. And I feel like that is, um, and, and there are some great lyricists, but uh, I, 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 yeah, or like the lyrics that can hit you in different ways at any point in your life, like how you interpret it when you're 20 will be different with how you interpret it when you're 40. Um, but as for us, um, I, I think it, I, I think it does like from, and, and I'm speaking only of my own experience and what I've heard from fans and listeners after shows or just chatting with, but uh, we did do, oh, we did do a listening party at No Fun where we recorded it. We had about 40 people there and we, um, we just put the album on through like that was the studio that we recorded and we just put the album on in the live room and listened to it front to back and then we just kind of had a q a um session where like you know we're just like oh do you have any questions about the album or any thoughts and people a lot of the words were like triumphant or or cinematic or like you know um very uh a couple of people said like very visceral and i think triumphant is interesting because it's like we weren't trying we weren't going for like uh you know like the rocky theme song of triumphant but like more like the album was written in the in the pandemic a lot of it and that was super heavy and whatever your feelings are on that time it was a traumatic moment for a lot of us and people who were going through that you know, regardless of right or wrong or however you feel politically about it. So, um, and I didn't know if I was going to be a musician after it or even, you know, because it's like, well, who knows? Um, or like, well, if I would be a professional or if I could maintain. So um, a lot of, um, you know, like a, a lot of the songs were written in like, a, like, especially through the woods and beyond the woods are, connected in a way of like going through an insanely hard time and having to survive and then making it through the woods you know like you you like survive the night so to speak um so the triumphant thing i i i get and like especially with the the horn melodies and, and the horn sections sound big and like very like bright uh in time so it's it's interesting um hearing people's interpretations because you know, I don't want I don't want to tell you how to how to feel about a certain song or, or like infer like I can just tell you how I feel about them and how the band feels and how we wrote them. Um, but yeah, sometimes songs are just songs too. Not everything has to have a meaning, you know. Right. But uh, but, but we also love that people are finding their own meaning in them as well or their own feelings because um, yeah. You mentioned you recorded very powerful. You mentioned you recorded at No Fun Club. You brought in Ben Kaplan to produce the record. What yeah. was there a specific record Ben had done that you know you wanted him to be the guy, or like how did you guys arrive at that decision? Mm. We we met Ben uh, through Five Alarm Funk, uh, the Vancouver band that I'm sure everyone is very aware of, who we get referenced to a lot, uh, <laughs> which is funny. But uh, uh, Teo, the drummer and band leader, brought out been uh for a show we did there in 2018 or 2019 and then uh yeah we just were like well we need a producer or um so or everyone tells us we need a producer so let's get a producer um uh so we yeah we just worked with ben and sent him some demos and then 
I don't know if there's any sort of like record. I um like I really liked what he did with like he was very involved in the mixing and getting like like the sound engineering and the uh, tones. But um, it was I I don't think we worked with Ben in a typical producer sense because uh before him even coming into Winnipeg in March of 2022, we had been producing and refining and had many revisions of each song over like two years of lockdown. So um, Ben didn't really change much um, as far as like arrangement or form goes, but uh, he was very instrumental in like the, uh, the tone hunting and mixing of the album. Um, and like, just kind of like the general vibe, you know, like just kind of like talking us through stuff. If we were having a bad day of like, just kind of like guiding us to the best situation that we could perform well in being like, you know, like figuring out like, maybe we should have a break right now, or maybe we should move on from this song or, you know, cause so- sometimes songs just, you know, it's just like a, a love hate relationship with them. Um, but uh, yeah, the, the, there was no sp- specific record that I was like, Oh, we got to work with this guy. Um, yeah. Which I, I find choosing a producer it's kind of hard for us because we're not writing like pop songs or we're not, you know, like, or, and we write very collaboratively and like um, now. So yeah. Yeah. No, that uh, makes sense. It was, yeah. I, I feel like, you know, like, um, you know, especially for like, you know, prog or funk or jazz or what we're doing, like we're not writing for a, top 30 uh, radio singles or this, or we're not writing like viral hit songs. So the producer to me is like someone who can set, set a really good, um, can set a really good uh, environment for us to really get comfortable and feel very confident and kind of get that little like, you know, get us into the flow state. That to me, and that might not even be a producer, but just a really good teammate. Sure enough. I yeah. hope that answers your question. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Because, <laughs> like you said, the no no specific record, but in terms of his role, it's not it's not the traditional producer role. So it's not like you heard like a specific hit single and thought, yeah, we got to get this guy or something. Yeah. Uh, so the, calling the record departures. I mean, is that because of you know being kind of stuck in for a couple of years and kind of <laughs> now, now you can go? That's not why, but that's a really good um, a really good idea i might start just telling people that Have in other it. interviews <laughs> i called it i came up with departures because um we had completed our three eps like uh each day dawn offerings and relationship and it was like uh you know it was, it was like our our kind of introduction i feel like the three eps were us like finding our sound and um kind of like integrating our influences with our own dna and i feel like departures is the first real um kind of like real statement and sound of apollo sons you know like on the first three albums i'm very proud of them but you can hear a lot of influences and are kind of like figuring out who we are whereas like departures is like yeah this is apollo Suns. um so it's like kind of like a departure from infancy of childhood you know like of us you know 
kind of stumble not, not that i feel like any of those and i want to clarify like i'm very proud of like the first three eps and i feel like people really dig them and, and we still play a lot of those songs and and those songs are still growing with us on stage and evolving but um right. yeah it kind of like departures is like you know it's yeah. like a departure to the next step you've been in like primary and elementary school and you're now you're going off to college or something yeah, you know, like, uh, yeah, yeah, we're out of um, adolescence. For sure. Uh, speaking of departures, before we let you go, I want to get you to pick a track off the record that we can play for listeners. And if you have a reason why you're picking that song or an anecdote about it, I'd love to hear that. An anecdote. Okay. Um, I mean, man, personally, I love playing um, Serpentine Live and and Hard Time. Those are simple picks in the... And the, you know, the singles. But uh, if you could do Triptych into Beyond the Woods, and I will say because I thought Triptych was such a great album closer, but then Beyond the Woods is kind of like an homage to the intro track Through the Woods. And I love, and Beyond the Woods is something I'm incredibly proud of because we didn't know what we were doing when we went to the studio. We had a rough, we had the melody, but then we, we had a rough, chord progression and we built it up in the studio and it was so organic everyone was just making decisions and being decisive and just confident and it turned into this really beautiful kind of like serenade to, to end the track there's no horns or to end the album there's no horns there's no drums it's it's just a bunch of different instruments that we never use like lap steel from lloyd peterson uh, Aaron Bartel is playing like we got we set up a radio and just flipped between the static and like and different tracks and like radio announcements and and through AM and FM and um, and it was really beautiful and uh, and and I thought that was great like uh, kind of like the static of our brains. Sure enough. You know? <laughs> well, yeah, so I so I would choose Triptych into Beyond the Woods. If you can play two tracks. Well, you know what? It's I it's mean... a two-night album release, so we might as well do two songs, right? That's oh, uh, awesome. <laughs> uh so next Thursday and Friday at the Goodwill Social Club. You guys are on the road in the meantime. Ed, thanks for taking some time and, and safe travels back home. Absolutely. Yeah, we'll be home soon. Really looking forward to it. Thanks, Michael.
information for you for tomorrow's show. That's your entertainment drop on... Back here on Thank God It's Free Range, the Friday edition of Free Range Radio. Right before the break, Ed DeRoche from Apollo Sun's Choice from Departures. That was Beyond the Woods and Triptych. They are playing next Thursday and Friday at the Goodwill, celebrating the release of that new record. Uh, my thanks to Ed. My thanks to Caroline from the Good Lovelies, who are playing on the 18th at the Park Theater in support of We Will Never Be the Same. I'm going to change it up a little bit before we hand things over to After 8 Radio at 8. Um probably have mentioned this on air before, but uh, my youngest child is named Isley, and they are named after the Isley brothers. Uh, last night, got the message that Rudolph Isley, one of the founding members of the group, had passed away at the age of 84. Uh, so I'm going to play my first introduction to the Isley brothers, which is If You Were There. I first heard the cover by Wham, uh, but then as a very voracious reader of liner notes discovered that that was not a Wham song. It was an Isley Brothers song. I tracked down 3 plus 3, and I have been into soul music ever since. This is If You Were There. We've got some Deadleaf Echo, some Maul Sullivan, and more coming up. Keep it locked here on 101.5 UMFM.
hustling life I'm getting wet Deep and dive for sure Counting the hours Biting my tongue Let's buy in the
Oh.